welcome to Crime Time with Maggie Sten. What you're going to be listening to is a series of episodes called The Times Aren't Changing, They Have Changed. With me is Joel Coleman, who has a lot of questions. So the first thing that you've given me to read and to come up with a few questions on and to talk about is the New South Wales Crime Commission's History of the Commission's Functions and Powers, which is a really long jargonistic headline for saying the police want more powers to prosecute people uh, with relation to drugs and crime. Is that correct? Have I read that correctly? Sort of. That is what has happened over the years. The State Drug Crime Commission was set up in 1985 by the then State Premier Neville Rann. Now, he set that up following a number of royal commissions into drug trafficking. You're probably far too young to remember, but there was the Mr. Asia Syndicate. There was um, the Nuggenhan Bank, which went to all that Griffith with McKay. So after that, that's what happened. Prior to 1985, drugs weren't really the focus of crime. Okay, so now the situation or the times that we're living in, drugs are the focus of crime because there's a lot of money there. Yes. And what these powers are trying to do that the police uh, have had enacted for themselves is to ensure that there's no point profiting from crime because if you can't prove where your money's come from, they want to be able to confiscate it and take away any of the proceeds or ill-gotten gains. Yes, but it's slightly more complicated than that. Let me go through it, how it began. When it first started, the Crimes Confiscation of Profits Act, which came from the State Drug Commission, when the Drug Commission was set up, there were actually special drug squads. Prior to that, anything to do with drugs was just investigated by ordinary police. But Special Drug Squad was set up and they had extra powers. They had powers of investigation where if you were called in for an examination, you had to answer all the questions. There was not the normal rules of evidence in a court. Once that happened, they had to prove that you had unexplained wealth beyond a reasonable doubt. And that was the same rules that in a criminal court. That's quite a heavy onus. That's since changed and it changed too on the balance of probabilities that you had unexplained wealth. Now, that's a very low bar. Yeah, does that not shift the concept of innocent until proven guilty in favour of the police? Completely. But this is this is the world that we're working in today. Yes, yes, completely. But this is this is seen as civil litigation. Once it's based on the balance of probabilities, it's civil litigation. It's no longer criminal. So in the Act here, it says things like um, the purpose of the Act was as follows. One of the points is to enable authorities to identify and recover property. Yes. Now, this is kind of ambiguous because whose property are we talking about here? Their property. How do you prove that? Because they've, they've said that if it's unexplained wealth, yes. uh, what if something's in a company name or a company structure? Like how, how far do these laws go? Very far. 
If you go way back, the law has always had this problem with criminals and money. All the way back to Al Capone, who was probably the first famous person to be locked up, where they decided we can't get this guy for murdering people for extortion or whatever else he did. We're going to get his hip pocket. So they got him on tax evasion. But that's all they could do. They could put him in jail for tax evasion. They couldn't take his property. The same thing happened in Australia with our Mr. Sin, Abe Saffron. He went to jail for tax evasion, but he didn't take his property. And if you look into it, he probably owned the majority of King's Cross. He was incredibly wealthy. If they could have used these laws on him, they would have got a lot of money. That's the basis of it. For instance, if you're roaring round Sydney in a Lamborghini, you're eating at all the top restaurants, you're staying in you know, five, six-star hotels in the penthouse, and you have an income of 20000 a year. Right. So it's that, it's that probable cause that they, the, the police can assume that your money's coming from ill-gotten gains. Yes. And therefore, they can investigate that and, well, seize your property or, yes. as they say, recover, which yes. is an interesting use of the word recover. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not trying to, to put down the police powers here. I'm just really interested in... In the extent, the, the, the long reach of the law. What if, for instance, I am a criminal, yeah. I've been charged with a drug offence, I've served time for that offence, and I've then been uh, released back into the community. I, I no longer owe community the community a, a debt for the crime that I committed. I then write a book or make a film about that crime. Mm-hmm. Is that a proceed of the crime? Yes, it is, and that brings in a complete other law. That's Darcy Dugan tried that. If you remember way back with him, he was a, a criminal. He tried that. You cannot profit from your crime. That woman who who served time in Bali. Chappelle Corby. Chappelle Corby, same thing. You cannot profit from your crime. That's got nothing to do with the Crime Commission. So where, do, where does the profits of her book, for instance, go? Does don't <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know the answer to that, but not to her. Okay, they can't go to her. That's really interesting. But what? But what the crime commission have done is made it almost impossible for the person who's actually charged, because if the way the law stands now, if you've been charged with an indictable offence that carries more than five years jail and you have property, the Crime Commission step in then. They will put restraining orders on your property. Once you have been either found guilty or you plead guilty, there's compensation that they require. So, for instance, that's just a calculation. You know, one kilo of cocaine equals X, so you have to pay the X. Right. right. That's like a fine. On top of your jail time, they're two different things. And if the argument has always been, which, you know, my clients have done and every other lawyer's clients, but I've acquired this property lawfully. I've done this. I've done that. I'm entitled to get my property back. Fine. Okay. You start doing affidavits. You do all that to show where the property has been acquired. In a lot of cases, the property has really been acquired properly where they've gone to work, they've paid their tax, they've done everything right. But like most human beings, nobody ever does everything 100% right. 
So you'll find there's a bit of tax they didn't pay, which probably every second person does. They probably told a few lies on the loan application. All those things are enough for the Crime Commission to say, okay, well, we're entitled to keep this, this and this. So are these laws, uh, in in your opinion here, being effective in picking up the kind of criminals that the Crime Commission wants to rein in? Or are they a bit draconian and picking up people that, as you've just said, may have pushed the envelope of the truth a little bit too far on their tax returns and maybe done some small-time crime? Is Are we getting Mr Big? Both, probably more the draconian. We are getting some Mr Bigs, but I think the real Mr Bigs probably aren't in this country and they probably have so many things in between them and the properties. So there's, there's multiple layers of, yes. of protection going on. So it's... Small-time criminals or the ones that aren't bright enough to be see that they're being used yes. that are being collected. Yes, yes. So are these laws picking up the Mr. Biggs in society or in, in criminal society that the Crime Commission is after or are they sweeping up a lot of smaller criminals that may have, you know, done some wrong things but also, as you've said, operated mostly on the right side of the law? Look, they definitely sweeping up a lot of the small people. And unfortunately, it extends to their families too because the husband may be a drug dealer, small-time drug dealer, and he might have done this for a few months, but the wife isn't part of it. The children certainly aren't part of it. And yet they want to take his house as compensation for the drug dealing. And, you know, the wife might get to keep her share if she gets the right lawyer and it's done properly. But those sort of things happen. Yeah, I can see in the act here as well, it does note that uh, the wealth of crimes of the family or associates, regardless of whether they have been involved in any criminal activity. Yes. So you can't give it away either. You no. can't You can't import a, a shipment of, of, a, of a banned drug make a profit on it and then somehow give it to somebody else. You, as soon as it's crossed that line, yes. it's gone. Yes. No matter who the people are that stand to be affected by the removal of that property. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Right. See, that creates a really comp- complicated social structure where you've got, as you said, someone who may be innocent of a crime but has benefited from a crime unknowingly being pushed out of their uh, as you've said, their home. Yes. Well, the case in point in all the newspapers now is that Melissa Caddick. Her right. parents are going to get thrown out of their home because she bought that home. I mean, this is an elderly couple who thought they had a very successful daughter. I only know this from the newspapers, but they had a little bit of money, but she paid for the rest of the deposit and was paying off their mortgage. So goodbye house. So how do you, I mean, there's an ethical question around that as well, because you are in that case dealing with elderly people Mm. that have done no wrong. Yes. But what they did do wrong was, I suppose, didn't do the due diligence on where their money was going when they gave it to their daughter and how it was being used. They got scammed. Yes, sure they did. Yeah. Sure they did. But show me a parent that really is going to do due diligence on their own kid. True. True. How do you know if your if your if your child's a small time drug dealer? Right. Um, now it does sound like like 
from from this this conversation that you believe that the laws just extend a little bit beyond what's um reasonable for the for the crime commission to be able to do am i reading that correctly you are reading that correctly but having said that we're stuck with these laws they're not going to change they're probably going to get more draconian than less draconian it's another form of tax that's really what it is it's another arm of taxation okay You've just said that these lords are probably going to get – they're not going to change, but they're probably going to get more draconian, which means they are going to change. Well, yes. Yeah. But, oh, sorry, I mean they're not going to change for the better. Right. So so generally over time things tighten up. Yes, yes. So what you're saying is don't get involved in criminal offences. No, no. No, things tighten up because once upon a time this was only for drug offences. Now it's for every offence that carries a jail sentence of over five years. might have even changed to three years by now. I don't know. Mm. But it's got to be an indictable offence. So, for instance, if you decide to murder your girlfriend and you murder her in your house, goodbye house. Okay. I mean, murder and drugs to me are slightly separate arms of of crime it doesn't matter because it says offenses of violence it, yeah and it says there's there's a uh, um it says serious offenses yes. serious criminal offenses which is any indictable offense, offense that carries jail over five years okay or and maybe so, three as i said okay because my note there said who decides what serious is but the act that, the act does yeah it doesn't pay does it no no, yeah. no, it doesn't. Yeah, and like all laws, laws are only as good as the administrators. And, you know, there's politicians out there now because, you know, we're big on law and order once again, saying, oh, you know, we can't possibly do anything about these people and, you know, the common chairos with this Mark Buttle who's overseas who's supposed to be worth $100 million and laws need to be changed. We need more law enforcement. We need more police powers. Well, I don't think we do. I think we've got plenty. So last question then. Mm -hmm. If we put Maggie Sten in charge of the next round of amendments for the Crime Commission and your aim was to make society a better, more equitable place whilst at the same time also reducing the amount of crime – what do you suppose is is a is a more reasonable approach? Well, that's difficult because I don't think you'd ever put Maggie Sten in charge of running the Crime Commission because I'm a defence lawyer, not a prosecutor. <laughs> that's the first thing. But in an ideal world, I understand the reasoning behind it. I understand why it was brought in, but I think that these draconian powers should go. I think we should have to live by the rules of evidence like we do in courts, which they don't in the commission. They don't have to do that. And the other thing, I think there should be a monetary limit put on things. I've had clients who have been caught in this, that the entire house that everybody's fighting about is in the country and it's worth 210000 So I would put a monetary limit on this. Like if you have a house, by today's standards, I'd say probably more than a million dollars because a million dollars doesn't get you very far. So that that seems like a reasonable approach, that they need to review the Act on a regular basis in order to make it relevant to the stage where society is um, in in financial terms at that time to make sure you're getting the – 
the criminals at the top end, yes, but not imposing such uh, hefty penalties on those that may have been, you know, first offenders or meddling at the smaller end yes. of the crime scale. Yes, and you know, there's people commit crimes for all sorts of reasons. A lot of people still, I know, you know, police and society generally don't want to hear this, but people commit crimes out of need, not greed. And that, I think, should be differentiated. And I think that's a really good spot to leave this one. 